0: Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. We are in the last message of the fruit of the Spirit. And if you remember, fruit in this passage is singular. So when the Apostle Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Fruit is singular, so you don't have like love hanging on the tree and joy hanging on the tree. It's kind of like one piece of fruit that as you spin it, you see love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we're going to talk about faithfulness, faithfulness. And I thought about faithfulness when I read an article about a guy named Ben, not his real name, who came to know the Lord through an evangelical website, and he lived in Afghanistan in 2014. And then he was so excited about this newfound faith, he went home and told his family, and they beat him up. And they continued to beat him until one time they they were trying to kill him. He ended up in the hospital. He goes, I don't know how I got there. I just knew I had been beaten so badly I didn't remember, and he knew his family would ultimately kill him, so he crawled out of bed and ran away, and he went to, is it Kabul or Kabul? Either way. I'm sure other people know how to say it better, but he went there, and through this uh, interaction he had developed with a couple online who were discipling him. They found a church for him to connect to, and there was a guy from South Africa had moved his family to Afghanistan and had started a church, and there's a little compound. And then the um, Taliban came in and killed the pastor, his two daughters, and one of his friends who lived there with him. Uh, and then, subsequently, a suicide bomber like broke through the compound and blew it up. And so here he was, he went kind of underground and was more in, you know, like under the radar. He was only in high school at that time. And then uh, when we pulled out in 2021, things were really bad for him because his family, you know, knew he was a Christian and they told the Taliban, look for this young man, like seek him out. And so he truly went into hiding. He connected with some Christians in an organization that was committed to, to get him out of there. And they basically did some massive choreography of go here, move here, go here. You know, they had to, to escape checkpoints and finally got him on an airline that left the country. And now he um, lives in Canada. Of course, this, is, this isn't his name that was shared in the article And I think of faithfulness, I think of a guy like that. I mean, wouldn't it be easy after getting beat up a few times for your family to go, you know, the cost is too high, right? But he didn't do it. You know, I also thought of faithfulness when it comes to, um, it's not, do I have control Uh, Let's see. Help me, Obi-Wan. You know, maybe we need a new... Oh, there it is. Uh, The battery might be going in this. Uh, Charles Stanley, anybody see the news? You know who Charles Stanley is? He started, like, preaching on the radio. The radio is the thing that old people listen to in the car when they're not streaming (laughs) with their phone. And he started listening to the, uh, being on the radio and on television. And um, Christianity Today did an article, like an obituary on him. Charles Stanley, in-touch preacher who led with stubborn faith. And I read the article, and Christianity Today does not pull any punches. Yeah, go. Next slide. No, we, we need you, Tim. Um, I'll do next slide while hopefully Tim is power. Um, next slide. Next slide. <laughs> Next slide. I have no power at all. Well, let me tell you that he was not... A, Christianity Today points out that he is not a perfect guy, right? He, it tells his story how he was uh, raised in a family where his dad was abusive, right? And he used to beg his mom to divorce him. He even once pulled a knife on his abusive stepdad. And so his experience of violence had an impact on him. And he says, I was very, very uneasy unless I was in charge. He said, I was very, very combative and very, very competitive. You see, into my ministry, I brought the survival spirit. You do or you die. Whoops. Whoops. You do or you die. You do whatever is necessary to preach the sermon. You do whatever is necessary to win. It doesn't make any difference what it is. And I know anybody who's had trauma in your life, you know, you soften your trauma, but it's still kind of there. And and he's admitting how the trauma affected him as he went into the pastorate. So much so that there was a heated church meeting one time, and a board member let slip a curse word, right? Right? And Stanley said, now you need to watch your language. And the board member retorted, no, you need to watch yourself. And he swung his fist in Stanley's face. Right? It, and you're like, wow. And he took it. He didn't fight back, re- remarkably. Uh, and yet, he probably was, you know, maybe a little bit of a dictator in his, in his style. And then his wife filed for separation, and this took a long time, and then ultimately... Divorce, and and she said, "I'm dismayed by my husband's refusal to accept the critical state of our marriage." Uh, she said, "Instead, he has made repeated announcements from the pulpit that progress was being made towards reconciliation, when in fact the very opposite is true." I do not choose to contribute to this charade. There uh, were no allegations of infidelity or immorality, but but something you know went on there that they ended up divorcing. And yet, when I think of Anley Stanley, I think, yeah, he's um, human, but he did he did fail, didn't he? He he was somebody who had failure in his life. And when I think of faithfulness, Andy Stanley was faithful, just like you and I are faithful, right? Charles Stanley, forgive me, Andy's his son. Um, oh, and his son and him over the divorce had this big rift, and they had to go to therapy later on just to come back together. Like, but, th- but I think if you wrote a- an obituary about any of us, and they were allowed into every area—not your thoughts—but uh, you, you would have something interesting for everybody to read, wouldn't they? You know. So today I want to do a little bit about like what does it mean to be faithful. And then how do we fight for faithfulness? And then how do we grow in faithfulness? The scripture says, the one who calls you is faithful. Um, This is one of the early verses where it refers to God as faithful. And it's a wonderful passage because look what it says about the children of Israel. And I think it's also true of us. He says, the Lord did not set his affections on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people. For you were the fewest. He's like, you weren't the biggest, the greatest. You were uh, the small people. But even being small isn't why he set his affections on you. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers, that he brought you out, that's out of Egypt, with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, and he is what? The faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations, to those who love him and keep His commandments. So who's faithful? God is faithful. And I thought one of the best illustrations of how God is faithful is the life of Abraham. I don't know why it keeps doing that. is the life of Abraham. Abraham <laughs> Abraham was faithful. wasn't he? Or was he faithful? I mean, I always would look at Abraham and go, Abraham is faithful. And yet, look, look at the beginning of Abraham's life. This is before he was called Abraham. He was called Abram. God changed his name later. It says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your kindred, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So what did he say to him? He said, leave your country and what? Kindred. What's kindred? That's what the Beverly Hillbillies called their family members. <laughs> uh, kin, and, and, and your father's household. Okay, so he's supposed to leave his kindred. Now look at the next verse. So Abraham departed as the Lord directed him, so he was obedient, and Lot went with him. Who's, that? Who's Lot? Kindred, family, So, you know, it's supposed to be like a picture. Like, Abraham's life is a picture of Jesus leaving, father, right? Coming to earth. Did not bring kindred with him, right? But Abraham did. He brought kindred with him. And how did things turn out for Lot? Right? Not so well. Pillar of salt. His wife, his daughters. We won't even go into that. But that's where a lot of the enemies of Israel came from. It says, then the Lord appeared to Abram. And to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there and the, uh, to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God's like, this is your land. And what happens? There's a famine. Abraham's tested. And he's like, you know, this land isn't doing so well that God had given me. God's not big enough to take care of me. I'm going to go off to Egypt, right? So he doesn't go to the land, stay in the land that God gave him. He goes to Egypt. Anybody know what happened in Egypt? He says to his wife, hey, you're pretty good looking, honey. I'm afraid of these people here. Just tell them you're my sister. And what do they do? The guy takes them as his wife. And you know, Abraham, he he ends up with like cattle and what else? Male servants and female servants, one named Hagar, right? And what happens with Hagar? You know, God's not answering his promise soon enough. So then the and and this all happened because he left where God had given him land, goes to Egypt and lies and ends up in this place, you know, Abraham was not so faithful. You know, you look at Charles Daniel, well, Abraham too, right? I mean, and, and then check this out. So God says to him, I will make you a great nation. I, I read that earlier, nation, singular. And now look what he says to Abraham. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me, be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and greatly increase your number. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many, plural. Why? Because the guy had messed up and had a child with Hagar. Hagar. So God is faithful. Okay, I'll make you a great nation. Oh, you sinned, now I'll make you great nations. That God, we are not faithful, but God is faithful over and over. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown up us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he can't disown himself because faithfulness is an attribute of God. And it's kind of beautiful how when the closer we get to Jesus, the, the, the more we connect to his faithfulness. It's like if we die with him, we also live with him. His faithfulness then flows through us to others. Uh, Tim Keller tells this story, and it's kind of cool. He says, one day a lady came into my church, and I'm talking to her, and uh, you know we get on the subject of how you came here or why you were interested in, in coming to the church, and he, she goes, you know, I, I work at this company, and, and she said, I messed up really bad. I mean, I messed up really bad. It cost a lot of money, and I'm pretty sure I was about to lose my job. And she says, I'm in a meeting with my boss, and we're talking about this with his boss and others, and he takes the full blame of it. Now, my boss had a lot of cred. He took a big hit, but they weren't gonna let him go for this. They would've let me go for it. And he goes, she says, I've had people take credit for my, like, things I've done well. I've had my bosses take credit for things I've done well, but I've never had a boss take the blame for my failure. And so after the meeting, I say to my boss, hey, you got a minute? And, and she goes into his office. She says, you know, I, I, I've had people take credit many times for my successes, but I've never had a boss take the blame. Why did you do it? He goes, oh, don't worry. I believe in you, you know, and, and uh, I know, you're, you know you'll do well. And, and, and she, but she kept pushing him. And he goes, well, let me tell you, I believe in a God who took my blame, my sin, on the cross, and I can then also do it for others. And she says, where do you go to church? Because <laughs> I, I, I've never been to church, but I want to go to a church where people are like you, right? I mean, that's the more we get in touch with God, his faithfulness kind of goes through us. Because, you know, when you're looking for somebody to work for you, I don't care if it's a babysitter or if maybe you're somebody who employs others, how important is faithfulness, right? I mean, I was at the bank the other day, and I'm waiting in line, and there's a guy telling the tellers this story about a person he's training and and what's happened, how he trained them, and then the day for them to start their job, and he doesn't show up. And, he, and he's texting and, and getting ghosted. You know, they're not responding, and, you know, finally gets a hold of them, and he's like, are you going to come in? And the, the guy was like, well, yeah, you know, like he... It, He goes, workers these days. Like, what's up? You know, how how important is faithfulness, right? When you're looking for a spouse, how important is faithfulness? When you're looking for volunteers, how important is faithfulness, right? Like, faithfulness is critical in our lives, isn't it? Look what the scriptures say like a broken tooth or a lame foot, so is confidence in an unfaithful person in the time of crisis. Parents, you know this, if you've had more than one child. Because like, many times you will have one child that will be like, if you ask them to do something as they get older, like they'll do it. And then maybe another one, like, like this is 85% or maybe even higher percentage of the time. Hey, while well, we're gone, can you blank? This one is like 35. <laughs> Which one are you going to ask more to do more, right? You know it, you're gonna ask the one that's gonna be not like a broken foot, right? Not like, because you want the thing done, and that poor child ends up, and the other one, and they complain, like, how come you never ask such and such? You know why you don't ask them, because it doesn't get done half the time, right? And, And the funny thing is, is they've done this study, why you should not be loyal at work. I love this. Devoted employees are more likely to be given extra tasks, like devoted kids, right? And ask for unpaid overtime study fines. You know, it's like if you're an employer and you have this, you know, group of employees and you know, well, when I give tasks to this person, they don't always get done. But Sue or Bill, like, they're so faithful and they get it done so they get more stuff. Now, of course, you should compensate them for it, right? But, I mean, this is the way the world works. Faithful people are the ones you can rely on. We want to be faithful people. And I think we have to fight for faithfulness. We have to fight for faithfulness because it doesn't always come easy. And look what Jesus said about faithfulness. The one who is faithful with very little is also faithful with much. So it's like faithful with the small things. The one who's dishonest with very little is also dishonest with much. If then you have not been faithful with unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? Do you see that? Then, the one, then if you have not been faithful with unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? This is a principle. Faithful in the small things, right? Right? And, and that leads to the bigger things. And so I was just, I mean, I could talk about faithfulness in so many different areas of life, right, financial, faithfulness, faithfulness with your kids or whatever, but I just want to focus on two little areas of faithfulness in, in the practical planes of everyday living. And the first one is, and, and small things, faithfulness, like small ways that we are faithful. And I thought of marriage. So here's Marianne and Neil. Marianne and Neil are watching. Hi, Marianne and Neil. You guys together, say hi, Marianne and Neil. Hi, Marianne and Neil. They are going to hate me for that. And so um, 60 years of marriage. And how do you get there? You know, I think it's the small things, right? I think it's the small things. You know, the scriptures say do nothing out of selfish ambition or... I better not quote what's in my head. Or vain conceit. Or this says, empty pride. But in humility, consider one another or consider others more important than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Yeah. And I think this is how uh, good relationships work. So I was... uh, reading something, and it talked about how we should be people who turn towards our spouse and not away. And if anybody knows me, I've said it before, I am somebody, my anger style is passive-aggressive, and I'm not really big on confrontation. I do it because I have to, but I don't like it at all. And so my wife would know that when confrontation would happen in marriage, I would would be a talk-to-the-hand guy, you know? Like, I hear you as I'm kind of like, Right? And it may, maybe I wouldn't put my hand out always, but, but that's the attitude, right? And, and uh, years ago, I, I had this thought, you know, I need to turn into the thing I don't want to do. Do the thing that feels unnatural, right? Enter the tunnel of turmoil. So I remember turning and stepping into Gretchen and looking her in the eyes. I touched her shoulder, and she, she, she was shocked, right? Right? <laughs> Because you you know what happens when you're a talk-to-the-hand guy? Do you know how the person feels who's trying to communicate something to you? Unheard. And you know what happens when they don't feel heard? They repeat themselves, right? (laughs) Over and over and over again. And you're like, why do you keep repeating, I heard it the first time? Because they don't know that you heard it. But when you turn and and face and look them in the eyes and listen, there's no repetition. Like, like, oh, my goodness, you know, like, yeah, turn towards instead of away. I was doing some uh, premarital counseling, and a couple comes in, and they go, they tell me a story after I shared this with them, and they go, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Like, yes, right? Now, it's not just in that, like, in confrontation things. Um, John Gottman, who's, like, one of the marriage gurus, he's a sociologist who studied marriage, He says it's in the little things. Look at this. He goes, as part of his research, Dr. John Gottman conducted a study of newlyweds, and they followed up with them six years later. By the way, this guy can sit with a couple for about 30 minutes, and I think 80, maybe 80, maybe 90% accuracy say whether they're going to stay married or not. It's kind of interesting. Just based on uh, psychological, I mean, uh, sociological studies. So they said this, that many couples after six years remained together and many divorced. But he said the couples that stayed married were much better at one thing. Now, this is faithfulness in the small one thing. What is it? Turning towards instead of away. I think this works in friendships too, by the way. Turning towards is a bid for connection. A bid is any attempt from one partner to another for attention, affirmation, affection, or any other positive connection. At a six-year follow-up, couples that stayed married turned towards one another 86% of the time. Couples that divorced, an average of 33% of the time. Like, it's, this, it's a little thing, right? It, it, and then he gives examples, because if you're like me, you need examples of little things. He says, paying attention to what I say, right? That's turning towards. Responding to a simple request, right? Uh, Help uh, or work with me. Show interest or active excitement in my accomplishment, right? Uh, Let your voice go up, not down, right? Uh, Answer my questions or requests for information. Aren't these simple? Married couples go... Yeah, but I know what they're talking about, right? Chat with me. Share the events of your day. You know, respond to my jokes. Gretchen always laughs at my jokes, even the dumb ones. She's like Ed McMahon, and I'm like Johnny Carson. Helps me... See, she's the loudest one laughing in here. Helps me de-stress, right? Helps my, me problem solve. Be affectionate. Play with me. Join me in an adventure. Join me in learning something. Like, like, these are just, these are small things. But Gottman, a sociologist says these sm- faithfulness in the small things leads to bigger things. Jesus says, faithfulness in the small things. And you don't have to be married. If, if you want to keep friendships, some of this stuff just speaks to friendships. Like, they're, they're natural things. Now, what about faithfulness at work? It's interesting, you know, with the pandemic, you had, like, all these people move out of the job market, and and now you're relying on other people. And I don't know about you, but like carry-out orders going wrong all the time, places closing, they can't find employees, and then why is it so difficult to find committed, hard-working young employees and interns anymore? Does the young generation shy away from working hard? Or, or here's an article, it was actually a good read, How I Hire, Six Ways I Find and Hire, Hard-Working Millennials, you know? And, and I think that it's harder to find people who are... Hard working, And I always say the three C's of a good hire are character, competency, and chemistry, right? Character, competency, and chemistry. Because faithfulness is part of character, right? You want somebody who's honest. You want somebody who's going to work hard. Competency is they can do the job. Like if I left here, I would not become a car mechanic, right? I used to try to work on my cars and it just did not go well right? I am not competent at that. Now, you can train some competency, but maybe not me on car mechanics, right? Like, character, but they have to be competent, and then chemistry, because you can have somebody who's a hard worker and competent, but they, like, bring the whole, like, like, the mood, they're human sandpaper, they're hard to work with. If you don't have a good chemistry, it's not going to work. Those are the three C's, And, and part of that is faithfulness, Now, the scriptures say in Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. See, I think Christians, faithful in the small things is do you bring your best, right? Do you give it your all? Is it all your heart? Are you just mailing it in? Do you know that you're bright enough that you can just do this amount of work to get buy, right? And just make it harder for everybody else or slough it off to somebody else to do. Like, do you come at it? You know, I like that they gave Mother Teresa, be faithful in the small things. She would go, no, no, that came from Jesus, guys. You know, put his name there, right? Be faithful in the small things. That's a small thing. Bring your best, right? And then, who are you working for? The Lord. What should your attitude be? Right, if you come into work and you're Debbie Downer, right, or Dougie Downer, right? Like you just bring the whole thing down. But you know, no, Lord, my boss might not be the best. This might be difficult work conditions or whatever. I'm not appreciated here. But Lord, I'm working for you. And if Joseph could be in a prison, right, and he could work for you, if Paul could be imprisoned and say, rejoice, always like like I can have a good attitude here in this place, working for you, faithful in the small things, and then God entrusts you with uh, bigger things. The last area of faithfulness is I just, I think think our culture right now goes against faithfulness. I've seen people who have made committed, or commitments to a spouse or whatever, and, and then our culture says, no, 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 no. If you're not happy, right, if you're not happy, you need to give yourself over to this, right? Because if it makes you happy, it must be right. I mean, listen to this podcast on the like these plausibility problems. And our culture says the thing that makes you happy must be right. And for you to go, no, 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 you know, following God does bring joy and happiness. I mean, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, but I don't think the cross made him happy, right? And as believers in, in Jesus, we have joy in difficult circumstances and, and happiness, but we go through struggles. Our, our, our end goal is not happiness, it's Jesus, right? And, and as we know him, the fruit of joy comes out, right? So uh, we are people who need to, to fight for faithfulness. We're people who need to fight for faithfulness. Um, the last thing we have to do is, how do we grow in faithfulness? How do we grow in faithfulness? And a word of caution. You know, Jesus told that parable about the younger brother and the older brother. And I remember I loved this Keith Green song, and it was a, called The Prodigal Son. And it was all about the younger brother. The problem is the parable is not mainly about the younger brother. Jesus is standing around a bunch of self-righteous Pharisees, and he tells them this story. And he talks about the younger brother, right? And then he tells them about the older brother. Well, who are the people standing around? The older brother, those were the ones. I believe older brothers are people who do things right, right? The the younger brother says, Dad, I wish you were dead, because if you were dead, I'd have your money. Can I have your money and go off and squander it? And his dad goes, yeah, go ahead, have, have, have your share of the estate. And he goes off and squanders it, right? Now, the older brother stays home, and he does what's right. He works the farm. He does everything. The younger brother, of course, comes back, and the older brother despises him. Because, you know, when, when your righteousness is based on I'm a good guy, I'm faithful, how do you feel about other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're judgmental, aren't you? Yeah. The parable ends with the older brother not, you know, we don't know if he comes into the party, right? Because because I believe that faithful people are people who look at themselves and they hold up the truth of God's law and they go, I don't live perfectly. I don't live, I mean, you might have your standards and they might be low and you might be able to live up to your standards, Right? But most people, even your own standards, you can't live up to. And then when you hold God's perfect law, we we truly know what's right, but we can't fully live up to it. Like like we need, I think God gives grace to the humble. And if you want to be more faithful, you have to go, Lord, I am a hypocrite. I know your standards and I need your grace today. I need your grace today, right? Because faithfulness is more than just a commitment, I mean, Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, I don't care what you say, I'll never deny you, right? I'll never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. I think we miss this sometimes. We just hold up Peter as the big liar, right? But everybody else, if I said, I will never deny the Lord, and you guys go, yes, and we will never deny him too. And who ends up denying him? Everybody, right? Peter verbally, but the others with their actions. See, he's going to say, I'm going to be faithful till the end, and he wasn't, and Faithfulness is more than our commitment. I think faithfulness is found in humble people. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. We say, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, I, I, I know how to pray. Lord, lead me. Lead me out of temptation. Deliver me from evil, right? I need to be led and delivered every day, and you do too. Like, this is, this is the prayer of faithfulness, Lord, I need to be led and delivered. And as you lead me and as you deliver me, then I will walk in faithfulness. It's not about me making promises. It's about you, Lord, leading me today in paths of righteousness. And I think we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Like, we need to look at what Jesus did for us. You know, I started with Abraham. I'm going to end with Abraham so God says to Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you, right? Just the same kind of thing when Jesus goes, it's a new covenant in my blood. It's the same word for circumcision, right? The same word. And so he tells Abraham to make this covenant. Now, back in the day, I think it was called like a Caesarean covenant, right? You know, it's a, it's a Caesarean covenant. And, and a, a king that had power would make a covenant with a king that didn't have as much power. And the king would say, okay, I want you to get these animals. I want you to cut them in half, right? And and then I want you to make these promises. And then I want you to walk between the animals and and basically say, if I don't keep these promises, cut me in half like these animals. Do to me what's done to these animals. And so Abraham has this Caesarean covenant with um, God. God tells him the terms. God has the animals. There's lots of blood. But then God causes Abraham to fall asleep. And God takes this fiery pot representing himself. And he moves between the animals. It's like God is saying, if I break the covenant, may it be done to me. But if you break this covenant, may the curse be be upon me and not upon you. Fix your eyes on Jesus because on the cross, he was torn apart for us. Like he was faithful to be torn apart for us, the unfaithful. And the more the unfaithful look at his faithfulness, I believe we connect more fully and his faithfulness flows through us. Will you pray with me, Lord? Thank you that you took our punishment the unfaithful ones you were the faithful and father i pray that that you would use us that you would would shape us into your image we do pray to be led and delivered we know that we are people who need to be led and delivered by you the shepherd and birth within us love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, that we could represent you, Lord, by your spirit here on this earth. And we'll say thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.